0: You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit LanceLambert.org. In this episode, Lance teaches about seven things that Christ has obtained for us on the cross. This message contains many of the elementary aspects of our Christian walk that many believers, including mature believers, can forget. Let's listen. turn first in your Bible to Hebrews and chapter 10 from verse 10 Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 10 by which will We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest indeed standeth day by day ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, the which can never take away sins. But he, when he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, henceforth expecting till his enemies be made the footstool of his feet for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified and then chapter 9 chapter 9 from verse 11 to 15 But Christ, having come a high priest of the good things to come through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say not of this creation, nor yet through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood entered in once for all into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling them that have been defiled sanctify unto the cleanness of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish unto God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause he is the mediator of a new covenant that a death having taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, they that have been called may receive the promise of the the eternal inheritance. And then if you will turn back further to chapter two, verse 14, Hebrews chapter two, verse 14. Since then the children are sharers in flesh and blood. He also himself in like manner partook of the same, that through death he might bring to naught him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver all them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Then I want you to turn back further to act chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 verse 32 This Jesus did God raise up whereof we all are witnesses being therefore by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit He hath poured forth this which ye see and hear. For David ascended not into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies the footstool of thy feet. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God hath made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom ye crucify. One further reference, going back further in the New Testament to John 19, John 19 and verse 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now I don't know if you've got a little piece of paper, anyway you've got a pen, but we're not going to preach this morning, but what I'm going to do is give you seven things that have come out of the cross, seven things that have come out of the cross. And what I think would be the greatest blessing after what Ingemar said this morning is if you would go away and ask the Lord to show you through this week what they mean. Just take them away and get on your knees quietly before the Lord and say to the Lord, now Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? Seven things that the Lord Jesus has obtained for us. Seven things that, if you like, are consequent upon the cross. The first thing is this. The first thing is this. Christ has finished the work of our salvation. That's the first thing. Put it down. Christ has finished the work of our salvation. Now listen very carefully. Christ has done every single thing necessary to justify you and not only to justify you but to sanctify you and not only to sanctify you but to glorify you therefore in Romans 8 verse 30 it says those whom he has justified he has has also sanctified and those whom he has sanctified he has also glorified it's all past. Christ has finished the work as far as God is concerned. Those who are justified are sanctified and glorified. The whole work is done. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, has finished the work on the cross. Absolutely finished it. What do you need to be justified? You need righteousness. What do you need to be justified? You need the cancellation of your sins. What do you need to be justified? You need the removal of your sins as far as the East is from the West. What do you need to be a justice? You need forgiveness, pardon. You need all these things. Christ has done it. Himself alone on the cross, he's finished the work. He has done everything necessary for your justification. Therefore, God justifies every man or woman who puts his faith in Christ. It doesn't matter if he is the vilest sinner in the world. If he puts his faith in Jesus Christ, God immediately justifies him. Because God is no liar. So there's the one wonderful thing. But listen, he's done everything that you need to be sanctified. And he's done everything you need to be glorified. Can I be glorified? Oh, can some old ragbag like me be glorified in the end? Can I stand in the kingdom of God and know the glory of God in me? Can it be possible that somehow or other God will glorify you and me? Yes, he will. For it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. On the cross, Christ has finished the work of our salvation he has obtained everything necessary for you to be glorified so one day if you stand before God's face filled with his glory it will all go back to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ it will all go back to what he did alone upon the cross for you and for me. It's done, dear friend, it's done. Now let me put it this way. Not one single thing that you can do can undo the finished work of Christ. And not one single thing you can do can add to the finished work of Christ. It is finished. Now, my dear friend, I can sit down here and think and think and think about the Battle of Britain in 1940 and I can weep about it and have a bad time about it and wish that somehow or other the Nazis had come. But whatever I do, whatever I do, my feelings in 1967 can do absolutely nothing to what happened in 1940. It's finished. I can weep all day, I can cry all day, I can laugh all day, I can rejoice all day, but whatever happens, it does nothing to 1940. It's a finished thing. I might be very sad about the day Queen Victoria ascended the throne, but I can do nothing about it. She ascended the throne, if I am right in 1831. I think I'm right. No, I'm not right. Someone someone tells me. Well, it doesn't matter. But she did ascend the throne sometime. And, uh, and let me tell you, not one single thing I can do can take away from it. It's a fact. It's a finished fact. She not only uh, ascended the throne, but she reigned for many, many years. I can do nothing about it at all. It's a finished work. It's done. I can weep all day. I can disbelieve it or I can believe it. But it makes no alteration to the fact. I'm talking about objective facts. Now listen. Christ finished the work of our salvation 2,000 years ago on the cross. Nothing that you can do. Nothing that you can do can take away from that finished work and nothing that you can do can add to it. You may be the noblest, most zealous, most knowledgeable, most biblical person in the world, but you can't add one single thing to the finished work of Jesus Christ. You may be the most sinful, the most ignorant, the most black, the most dark, the most hopeless sinner in the world, but you cannot take away a single thing from the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is finished. Absolutely finished. Jesus says in John 17 verse 4, Father, I have accomplished the work that thou didst give me to do in this world. He's accomplished it. It is finished. Now that's the first thing. Now swiftly, the second thing is this. The second thing is this. He has obtained eternal redemption. He has obtained eternal redemption by the one offering up of himself upon the cross he has obtained eternal redemption. Think of that redemption. What does that mean? Well it means redemption from our sins loosing from our sins in his blood it means reconciliation to God it means union with Christ redemption And dear child of God, that redemption will last just so long as God lasts. It is eternal, it is measured by the infinity of God, which simply means dear child of God, dear beloved, Child of God, that you and I are in an eternal redemption. It's not going to be changed by nature. An and it won't be changed by Antichrist. And even if the devil himself appears in this room, it will not alter the fact that we have an eternal redemption. Nothing can take away that eternal redemption which Jesus our Lord Jesus, has obtained. He has obtained it. It's not as if it's in question. It's not as if it's in question for certain people. He has obtained eternal redemption by the offering up of himself, not the offering up of myself, not my devotion or zeal, but he has obtained eternal redemption. I often feel that some of us Christians are in great need of going back to very elementary things. Tell me, don't you find in your life that there is an evil heart of unbelief that lurks in so much. Even when we've grown so greatly in the law, there it is. It makes us just disbelieve the moment we hear something, even when we're praying, we disbelieve. You see, full assurance of faith, it goes back to justification. I love the rendering in uh, this standard version um, of Revelation and chapter 1 and I think it's let's wait, let's find it Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 unto him that loveth us and loose us from our sins have you been loose? you've been forgiven, you know it but have you been loose? or are they clinging to you? Are they still sort of clanking around like chains? The ball's gone, but the chains are there. You can move, but you've got chains and they clank all the time. The thing runs after you wherever you go, the clank goes. You know, it's not a heavenly music is a hellish clank. It is the thing to do with your sin that follows you all the time and wherever you go, so goes those, those chains. You're not loose. You're forgiven, but not all loose. But you see, this is what Jesus has finished. This is what it means that he's obtained an eternal redemption. It's yours. He has loosed us from our sins. Now there's the objective fact. No, not anything you feel about it. You may disbelieve it uh, this morning. You may, you may have feelings quite opposite. That doesn't make any difference to the fact that turn ob- yeah, Christ has obtained eternal redemption. The third thing is this. By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Now, that'll make you swallow. By one offering of himself, he has perfected forever them are sanctified. What does that mean? The word perfected means he has completed. He has brought to full growth. He has brought to maturity. He has, he has, by one offering, he has done everything necessary for you and I to go up to the full stature of Jesus Christ. By one offering, he has perfected Perfected forever, then, that are sanctified. Goes back to the cross again. It's a finished work. What do you need? Oh, you need fullness. You need abundant life. You need power. Uh, You need uh, an inward knowledge of him. You need to know more of his cross. Listen, by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Here is the third great Thing that the Lord Jesus Christ has done. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. In other words, everything necessary for me to come to maturity, to spiritual adulthood, He has obtained through the cross. Through that finished work, He's obtained it. It doesn't matter what it is, it's all in the past. He's done it. He's obtained it. He's got it. It's there for you, it's done. He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wonderful. The fourth thing, he has entered once for all into the holy place. There to appear before the face of God for us. Do you know what that, what that means? The more you go on with the Lord practically and realistically the more you will need the intercession of the Lord Jesus woe betide any man or woman who starts to enter into the spiritual conflict and battle if they don't know that there is someone who is appearing before the face of God for them you will be knocked out in an instant If you don't know that at the right hand of God, before the face of God, there is the Lord Jesus Christ, who ever lives to make intercession for us. Why, it says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is he that condemneth? Now listen, it is Christ Jesus that died, yea, rather that was raised from the dead, who sits at the right hand of God and who makes intercession for us. All this is not just a question that he's died, but he's making intercession for us. It's Romans eight. Well, there you are. He appears before the face of God for us. If any man sin, we have an advocate with God, Jesus Christ the righteous who gave himself a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sin of the whole world you see it's not just that we have someone who finished the work of salvation It's not just that we have someone who's obtained eternal redemption for us and left us to it. It's not just that he's perfected through that work on the cross. Those who are sanctified, obtained everything for them. Now he has gone into the presence of God to appear before God's face for us. He is watching over the work in us. He is actually there as the guarantee that everything is effective. Some people don't believe that the salvation of God is effective. They feel that somehow or other, well, yes, of course, there's, a, there's an amount of ideal in our salvation. There's quite an amount of it which is, which is just, um, um, well, it, it's a wonderful, glorious sort of thing up there to which we are moving. But you know the Lord Jesus is at the right hand of God as the guarantee that God's salvation and everything that has been obtained at the cross is effective. He's there to see that it is effective. He is appearing before God for us. Now, listen just to this little comment I would like to make on this. All of us in this company put a lot on prayer, don't we? We believe that prayer is all important. We believe that more things are done through prayer than this world dreams of. We believe that it is in prayer that we move and change situations. We believe further, we believe that prayer is the powerhouse of the church. If we think so much about our prayer, how much more vital is the prayer of the Lord Jesus? If our prayer is so important and strategic, how absolutely strategic and vital is the prayer ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has entered once for all into the holy place. Uh, Fifthly, he has become the mediator of a new covenant. He's become the mediator of the new covenant. Go-between. The go-between of the new covenant. Here is the new covenant of God. Here are you and I. Jesus, the Lord Jesus, is the go-between. Uh, of the New Covenant. He takes the New Covenant of God and he puts it into us, not up here, but into our heart, and he takes us and he brings us into the New Covenant. What is the New Covenant? Well, very, very simply, in Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 31, and verse 33, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward path, and in their heart will I write it. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for it will all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them saith the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will I remember no more there is the new covenant now listen to Ezekiel Ezekiel and chapter 36 verse 25 I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep mine ordinances and do them. There's the new covenant. The Lord Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. That means he stands before God as the one who brings the new covenant and makes it real in me and brings me into the new covenant. It's not only through his blood he cleanses me and justifies me and sets me apart, but he actually brings me into so the spirit The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus operates in me. There's the law, it's inside, not outside. It's come within. It's not only that the the power may come upon me now and again, but the Holy Spirit is within me. He's within me. I will put my spirit within. That is the new covenant. Otherwise, dear child of God, what are we talking about a new covenant? They had just as good a covenant in the old days. They had the word of God. They had the spirit of God. They had everything. What is the essential difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? This is it. God will will dwell in them. That's it. I will be in them. My spirit which is with you shall abide in you. That's the new covenant, we are, he is within, all right, we go on, the sixth thing, he has obtained the promise of the Holy Spirit for us, that's the sixth thing, the finished work, he has obtained the promise of the Father, what is the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father is just this, I will put my spirit within you, now how shall you know that, How shall you know the blessed fullness of the Holy Spirit? How shall you and I know the blessed ministry of the Holy Spirit? How shall we know what it is to be filled with Christ? How shall we know what it is to have that power to serve the Lord and to witness for him? How? By your zeal, by your knowledge, by your striving. By you trying to do everything, dear child of God, you can strive from now until when you're 70, but you will not obtain the promise of the Father. There is one who alone is worthy, and he has obtained the promise, and not only obtained the promise, but poured forth this which ye see and hear. In other words, the Holy Spirit is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the Holy Spirit is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, then the fullness of the Holy Spirit is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the fullness of the Holy Spirit is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, then all the gifts that should be manifest in the church are given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ and if the gifts are given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ then the power is given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ he is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit and with fire it's not a thing we look for it's a person it is the Lord Jesus He is the one who's obtained the promise of the Father. So every one of us can enter in. If we're born of the Spirit, we've already entered in initially. If we're born of the Spirit. Now it is to discover that that, that we can be filled with the Spirit. That, that, That the Lord can enable us to serve him. Instead of all this decrepit spineless, yellow-livered kind of wandering around in several. I'm no good. I can't do it. You know, it's my temperament. I can never pray in a prayer meeting because that's how I'm built. My dear friend, did anyone say that on the day of Pentecost? No one. The Spirit of God is in you. He can put backbone into you. And he can put a lot more into you and you will open your mouth, and you, you may have a weak voice, but at least you'll open your mouth. You will temperamentally remain yourself, but don't make an excuse of temperament. There are far too many Christian dying ducks. Far too many. There's no such thing in, in the kingdom of God, walking round like a lot of corpses, Our brother's spoken about the stone. Who shall move us away this stone? Some of them are like a stone. Come into any meeting, and they bring the stone in with them. Enough to think anything. (laughs) Looking up, they see the stone is rolled away. That's the word. My dear friend, there's no need for it. That's the point. Sometimes we can dwell on these things because they draw attention to us. Because it makes people care for us. It makes people say, oh, look at so-and-so, how they're going through it. What travel is there. And all this stuff. Kind of, it's all self. Not only is the spirit not there, but the cross isn't there either. Let the cross touch it. Come out of it. You'll have enough suffering, my friend. And God who sees in secret will reward you. What a word that is. I hope you've been studying it in your times on Matthew, that when it says, When ye fast, don't do as the Pharisees, and look a sight. I'm putting it in my own words. But wash yourself, and brush your hair, and look bright and cheery. Don't let anyone see that you're fasting. But is that so with a lot of others? Why, just a little tiny bad time. And my word, it looks like the biggest storm that ever hit the kingdom of God. No, it's not necessary. It's not even right. We're not meant to, to bring such a thing in. The Holy Spirit has been obtained for us that we might be brought about that suffering there will be intercession there will be, travail there will be, but my dear friend the people who know the most of travel are often the people who love the most. And the people who know most of, of the deep dark ways of God are the people who often know the joy of the Lord. Isn't that so? I've yet to meet someone who really in my estimation knows something of the sufferings of Jesus Christ who's not been absolutely normal and I have yet to meet one of these dark, melancholy creatures uh, that seems to have all this ministry of suffering and it's real. No, my dear friend, he has obtained the promise of the Holy Spirit but I must now finish with my last two things and it is this, he has been, he has sat down absolutely triumphant he sat down absolutely triumphant refusing to fight anymore not even if all hell should come out against him he refuses to fight he's seated Jesus our Lord Jesus is seated he won't even get up for you the fight is finished he's fought the battle he's won the victory and he's seated and the only thing he'll get up for is to receive you into the kingdom When Stephen died, he saw the Lord Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He does stand to intercede for us too. But uh, he won't stand up to fight. Not until the Father tells him to go forth to the last great battle. That we read of in the book of Revelation. That's the only time he'll ride forth. Now he's seated absolutely triumphant. So oh, let Antichrist come. Let a false, counterfeit church come. Let communism come. Let the whole thing come. The Lord Jesus won't get up. No, the flicker will cross his face. He's fought the battle. He's won the victory and he's sat down. It's just a question of time. Let them holler. It, made, it reminds me of, of Elijah on of Mount Carmel. When those prophets of Baal danced up and down and up and down and cut themselves with knives and spears and blood gushed out here and there, from morn to noon they jumped and danced about and there did old Elijah just sat there and looked at them. (laughs) Waited till they'd exhausted themselves. And then he did a thing that very few of us did. He poured water on the altar three times just to say now then I'll make it impossible for God to do anything here. He has sat down the Lord Jesus, absolutely triumphant. No one, no one will ever get him to come out to fight. He's got the victory. It's finished, it's done. And the last thing is this, he's brought to naught the power of the devil. He has brought to naught the power of the devil and is able to free us from it. If the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free in thee. Oh, we need freeing from all kinds of things. We Christians, oh, how the enemy would come in just for little things. Sometimes a relationship with someone else. Sometimes the fear of somebody. Sometimes it's something else It just comes in and it fastens on us and we just take it on. But you know he's thought for not him that had the power of death. So there are these seven glorious things. It is finished. The stone? Is there a stone over your life today? You're in the darkness? The darkness and death and paralysis of the tomb? Well, it says, looking up, they saw the stones rolled back, for it was in he didn't wait. the Lord has done it praise be to him. Why don't we know more of this? I'll tell you why, because we neglect our great salvation. If we were to rise up by faith and say, Lord, if you've done all this, I'm entering in. Lord, if this you've done for me, then whatever I need, I take from thee. It's done. Now I'll enter in and take it. There'll be such a change in our lives. And if we learn to do it consistently instead of doing it just in a big emotional moment, but consistently day by day saying, Lord, Lord, you've done it. I'm not going to take this on. You've done it. I stand into what is mine, whatever it is. All these seven things, you ask the Lord to show you what it means. And you'll find that you're lifted above. The stone's rolled back. And it's kept back. You're out of the tomb. You're walking with the risen Christ. May the Lord help us not to neglect our so great salvation, not to sink into a morass of subjective feelings, but to understand these seven great facts, and upon them let our feet come down, and by faith just enter into what the Lord Jesus obtained for us. May he so help us. Shall we pray? Now, dear Lord, we thank thee that that exceeding great stone has been rolled back touch every one of us lord this morning and may we enter into something more of what is ours in thee more of that which thou hast obtained for us through thy work on the cross may it be so beloved lord and we ask it in the name of our lord jesus christ amen Amen. May you rest on the complete and total work of Christ. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus.